Hey, my name is Hendel Leva, and I am the host of the online show Immigration MIC, Moving Immigration Conversations. Every week, I put on my Beats headphones and create original interviews for everyone to enjoy. It's a great opportunity for young people, directly or indirectly affected by today's immigration policies, to have their voice heard in the conversation. Visit www.thehendelmediaproject.com to watch all the interviews and learn how you can get involved. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Immigration MIC, where we move immigration conversations. And today from Arizona, we have Genesis joining us today. Uh, how are you doing today, Genesis? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. So you're at a restaurant right now. Or no, you're at an office right now, and I hear a chat in yeah. the background. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing today? Yeah, today... Actually, we're um, joining joining uh, UFW as well as Project Inside Out. What they're doing is basically we placing pictures of DACA supporters, and they're sending out the message that everybody's a dreamer. Uh, so here in Arizona, that's what they're doing. Um, so yeah, if anybody is listening from Arizona, we invite you to come out here and get your picture taken, and they can repaste it up as well. And how long does that campaign last? Uh, I don't know about the campaign uh, because I know they're going to different states. Oh, really? So they're going to be going coast to coast, um, but today they're going to be here until 6. Okay, perfect. Um, So uh, the way I always start these interviews is just asking my guests to tell me a little bit about themselves, um, you know, share with us how they got involved in this type of work. Um, Now, from what I read is you've been in this type of work for a long time, correct? Not as long as uh, many other organizers, but I've been around for a few years. Okay, well, why don't you take us from the beginning? Uh, let us know who you are. Okay, uh, so my name's Genesis Agrola. I'm currently 24 years old, um, and I've had my DACA since I was 18. Uh, how I first knew about the movement was through my brother. He was involved since 2006, fighting for the DREAM Act. Um, and then from there, like I was, I was still very young at the time. I was about 11 or 12 years old. So I didn't really understand what an immigration status was. I didn't understand what it was like to be undocumented until I was a bit older. Uh, when I started getting involved, I first started um, working just with immigration cases. So I started as a legal assistant at a law firm, and that's where I found out a little bit more about like the immigration system and how it's very hard for us to get a legal status. And then from there, I went into organizing. I, I kind of just started like, I want to help volunteering, filling out DACA applications and um, citizenship or residency. And then from there, I just got into more of like the being involved with the community okay and can i just say it's pretty cool how you have danza kudura in the background while you're talking right now there's what oh <laughs> i know i don't know should i move no 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 it's all good it's all, because most of my interviews are like silent in the background but like this one actually has a soundtrack so it's all good um so okay. uh would love to know um kind of your experience in high school like what did you uh aim to be when you were older um and i guess did you find that immigration was a part of your life like when you were that young yeah actually um when i was in sixth grade um i had the opportunity we had in our school we had a, a program called room parents so the the room parents were attorneys from a law firm here locally well it's actually a pretty big firm so it's in other states as well 
Um, and so they, we had these attorneys, they would come into our classrooms and they would like have little parties for us at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, and then at the end of the year. Um, and I remember like uh, kind of hearing about, you know, what an attorney was or what they do. And I was like, oh, these people get to like work and they get to dress nice. <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't know what they did yet or like what it was like, but I, I, I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that one day. And then, um, but I would not see many like um, brown people or like people like me, you know, I would not hear too many like about Latinos, you know, holding these kinds of positions or having these kind of careers. And um, it wasn't until like later in the year, uh, they selected about a handful of us, about six of us um, to meet with um, at the time, um, there was uh, Jeanette Napolitano. She was uh, in office during that time. And so they took us to meet her, as well as our ex-governor, uh, Raul um, Castro. And I was really young at the time, but it was the first time I saw that there was like people like me in office. And then I found out that um, they both had like a law background. <laughs> And so I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, oh, wow, like, I can do it, you know, I'm, I'm, they're like me. It's not just, uh, you know, it's it's not, it's not out of my reach. And I was like 10 at the time. Mm -hmm. And you were, you were only 10. <laughs> I, I was 10 when I met them. Okay. And then um, when I I started like learning more about it, I was like 11. I was like, okay, so I want to be, I want to go into law. Okay. And ever since then, I was like, that's my goal. My goal is to go into law, to become a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And hopefully one day I'll be able to take office or do more stuff. And dress nicely. I, I, and dress nice. <laughs> and dress nice. So I wanted to do that. And um, and ever since then, that was that was my dream. That was my goal. And um, as I started like going through middle school and high school, when I got to high school, I had a really hard time um, because of the school I went to. There wasn't there was like Latinos, but it wasn't like um, people wouldn't openly talk about our undocumented status or we wouldn't and talk about our struggles um, because most of the parents of the students, uh, they had these careers. They were attorneys, they were doctors, and um, my parents weren't. So it was a little bit harder for me during the time. Mm -hmm. I got really discouraged and I said, okay, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to college because I, I'm not going to be able to qualify for these scholarships or just seeing the people that were around me. I was like, I can't, like, basically at the end of the day like we're competing you know against right, each course. other and yeah. I, I i didn't feel like i was at that place um and so i got really discouraged and i said okay i maybe i can do something else and so for a while i was cleaning houses with my parents after i graduated yeah. and i had i had let my grades drop because i felt so discouraged mm. during the time and so i went ahead and like that i got discouraged but then in 2012 was when DACA passed, mm -hmm. and I since I had felt there was no hope during the time, I was I was like, man, I could have got DACA and I could have got scholarships. Right. So it did take me a while to get back into school. Um, luckily, my dad had already like put money aside for me to go to college, mm -hmm. and I didn't know. And so luckily, I was able to apply for DACA. I received mm -hmm. my DACA. I 
applied in August and I received my DACA in December of 2012. So by January of 2013, I was able to attend college. Okay. And, and at the time, did you have like insight into like what the political procedures were when it came to DACA or were you still kind of like not so savvy on that? Not too much, not okay. too much because I had just graduated high school and I wasn't in the movement. I didn't like, I would hide my status. Right. I was ashamed of it. I wouldn't talk to it. I wouldn't talk about it to my counselors. I wouldn't talk about it to my friends. Like I, I never talked to my friends about my status. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty funny because a lot of my friends, they didn't even know I was like full Mexican. A lot of them thought I was like, like Asian or something else. I was like, it's no, always, no, it's always the eyes. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, no, no, I'm full Mexican and I'm undocumented. So now them hearing me like talk about how I'm undocumented, they're like, what? Like, you right. didn't know this in high school. So it, it was, it was hard, like uh, speaking up about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and yeah. um, so at what point did you find? inspiration now the reason why i say inspiration is because um you know i've interviewed a lot of seasoned immigration activists i've interviewed folks who are just sharing their story for the first time um and there's always like a moment of inspiration there's always this moment what do you think that moment was for you for me it was a moment um so in 2013 when i started college um a, a month later in february of 2013 my brother, um, during this time, it was where like SB 1070 was like, you know, going on sure. here in Arizona. So uh, there was a lot of racial profiling going on at that time. And so during this time, my brother, he was driving um, in one of the neighborhoods and he ended up getting pulled over. So when he got pulled over, um, he got questioned. He already had his DACA, but during this time we couldn't get a driver's license. Mm -hmm. And he happened to not have any of his identifications on him. So basically he got pulled over. Uh, he got questioned. And it led to the point where the officers were physically beating him. Mm -hmm. um, these officers had taken him down. They, they, One of the officers had kicked him in the face. Um, and basically beat him. And then they tried to press, um, they tried to, um, put counts of, um, of, um, resisting, resisting arrest as well as, um, I can't think of the word right now. So it's resisting arrest and, uh, for assault. Okay. So they tried to put press about, I think it was like four counts of all those stuff and top of driving without his license. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very hard time for me. And um, so I had to withdraw from school because I had to like make sure, you know, that my brother was like being represented. And um, during this time he was being represented. Uh, this was before I started working in the law field. Sure. So I, I, was, I was there with the attorney, like I, I would stay in contact and everything. And I was just so frustrated because I was like, how is it that just because he didn't have his license or anything, it's going to lead to the point where he's going to get beat mm -hmm. and he's going to have to face like the system. Like it, right. it was very, it made me really angry. Mm -hmm. And I knew my brother. I mean, he's a good, like 
he's always been a good guy and not just because he's my brother but he's always been really involved in the community and at the church like during that like even that day he was um out with uh younger kids and he was basically mentoring them so it was like (laughs) he's out here doing all this good stuff but he's still getting like profiled and that's where like reality hit like oh man like uh things are bad like uh how how bad uh a document or being undocumented can affect a person's life Mm -hmm. Uh, to put your life on hold like that to put you in a situation where you have to face immigration and you could possibly be deported after living in the united states for so many years Mm -hmm. it it just created an anger in me Mm -hmm. and so from there i said okay um how can i get involved so i kept contact with the attorney that presented my brother because he had also done my daca Okay. And then conversation, you know, I always wanted to be an attorney. It came up. It came up. And from there, uh, he offered me a position with him to work as a legal assistant. Okay. And this was <laughs> this was in 2014. Okay, so not so that I long said, ago. Oh. It was about three years ago, correct? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't have any experience with the paralegal work or legal assistant work or even like office, basic office work. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, but then maybe I can learn about the immigration system. And from there, I can take that and I can put it into um, the community work. Uh, helping at DACA drives, sure. helping at like all, all of this other stuff. So I did that. I went ahead and I um, I started working there. I learned how to fill out the DACA applications mm-hmm. and um, how to like basically like what kind of stuff is needed in order for like residency or citizenship and all that. And then it made me really upset because like then I started realizing like how difficult it is to get a lawful status and that DACA is the only solution at that time. Mm -hmm. And I I would just get so mad because it's like, oh, but all these people are telling me, come in the right way, you know, come in the right way and stay here the right way. And then I I realized, like, my family came in with the visitor's visa, and I was like, that was the only right way for us. Like, Mm -hmm. we were not eligible for asylum. We couldn't get, like you know, any other visa aside from that. And I guess it, it was just the anger, the anger that I felt towards the system and the way it's set up that that caused me to like, okay, I need to get involved and we need to do something. Mm. And I think that's, that's, uh, that's great that you had this passion beforehand and you sort of like were able to like become channeled like right into like being able to affect change. And that's something that I always try to tell folks is that, you know, no matter what your talent is, like it can always be applied and it just so happens yes. that like your like expertise and like your passion immediately went towards like one of the biggest things that people need in immigration which is representation and like they need someone to advocate for them um the other thing that i, I do want to say is that Alyssa um from queens a few episodes back she herself i believe she's a paralegal Um, And she was just like venting about like just how difficult it is to (laughs) see clients like every day and like work with them and like just know that there might not be a good solution at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's very, very frustrating when you... Like, when I was younger, I didn't understand it. I was like, oh, maybe there is a legal way. Maybe you pay the $1,000 or $600 and you become a citizen. Like, that was my goal. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to graduate high school and then I'm going to figure out how to become a citizen. Right. (laughs) And, uh, no, it's not. That's not how it works. (laughs) Totally. Um, So, 
was there a point where you began to share your personal story publicly? Um, you know, besides the legal stuff, like now more like organizing and movement building? Um, I think when I started, um, I think it doesn't really hit reality until we're like in high school and we're thinking about college and we're thinking about university or our careers I do remember when I was younger um, my parents would always tell me like um, don't talk to cops don't talk to anybody don't tell them where you're from don't tell them you're from Mexico don't ever like say that if they ask you where you're from you say Phoenix you've always been from Phoenix and that's it so I grew up with that I grew up with it and um, honestly like it's it's been hard to break out of it too Mm -hmm. (laughs) like um, to just oh we're from Phoenix you know or now I'm like oh no I'm from Mexico (laughs) but before it wasn't like that and um, I feel that when I first started like talking about it, it was after I graduated high school mm-hmm. because um, that's when DACA came out and I felt like that added, that gave me a little bit more comfort mm-hmm. um, to say, okay, I have something. <laughs> right. But I think before that, I, I just wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't. And then that's how we're raised. We're raised in that way. Like you don't talk about it. Totally. Don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, I, I can say that, like, for example, my mom, you know, even though I've been sharing my family's immigration story for a while, sometimes she gets a little, like, clammed up about it. She's like, are you sure you want to tell people that? So yeah. definitely, totally understand. Um, so being in the immigration movement, um, you know, I have my experiences out here on Long Island, um, but definitely in Arizona, I'm interested in hearing what are some highlights you've experienced in the immigration movement? And what are some, like, like how do you say it? challenges i was gonna say low lights but i don't know i don't know if that's word low lights but highlights and challenges uh with your experience oh i think um it definitely has been changing throughout the years like it's been really exciting I, i must say um because we are i feel like arizona has became so like i mean we've talked to other people you know other organizations like um nationwide and a lot of organizations are like you guys have like i don't know how you guys are doing you guys are like veterans because we had to deal with sb 1070 we had to deal with all this like you know criminalization and all this just uh prejudice and i feel like it's been tough it's been really tough um because we had to like we had to organize like we had to get involved with uh, voter registration. We had to uh, raise even our education, like uh, uh, creating more access, you know, for our people to go to school and all of that. So it's it's, it's very exciting because lately we've been seeing, you know, our own people like running for office, like we're seeing it more. Like it's getting to a point where we see our own organizers like getting into or like running for like representatives and it's like oh man like it's really exciting because it's like uh these are our people you know we've been working with them for years and seeing it it's like wow we see more of that we see more um i mean even just getting our pio out of office like that was that was a big big win win. like i never (laughs) pictured it happening you know i never pictured that we would be able to get this person out of office and he's out and well, what, was, what like, was the moment you found out 
when I found out, um, it was when all the elections going on. So, I mean, it was sad because it's like we found out, you know, Trump took office. Right. But then at the same time, we're like, oh, but we don't have this sheriff anymore. Right. Um, and I remember we were all at the park. We were all at this park and it was like basically all the community members. We were there. We were viewing, you know, the elections, the results and everything. And I remember uh, once we found out, you know, he was out and then we found out the Trump was. So we all got together. And I mean, a lot of us were like happy, but then we were sad. So right. we were crying, but then we were like <laughs> smiling. Like it's it was big, like a mixed bag of emotions. Yeah, we make it was just too much, too many emotions. Like we didn't even know how to react. <laughs> right. So um, we got together and we started marching from that park. Um to Sheriff Arpaio's office, and I don't know if you saw where they delivered a, um, we delivered, basically it was like a big poster and it said uh, his eviction notice. Not gonna say it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so we delivered an eviction notice to him so he can get out. Really? And yeah, so that, that was pretty exciting, but at the same time it was like sad, but yeah, I think, I think that alone, like, it's just been so, like, overwhelming and amazing just seeing Arizona kind of shift mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it has been through these organizations I mean I, I think you were there when we did, were when Arizona right, when yes. everybody mm -hmm. was together and just seeing all these organizations come together and work collaboratively I think that's what has made all these changes happen and I believe it's it's possible for like it to translate into other states. I think if every state, you know, is able to work that way, we're with um, with civic engagement as well as like um, advocating for like Dream Act and different stuff. I think local, when we win our local battles, I think it's more powerful nationally. Totally. Um, yeah. Would definitely like to pick you up back off that. So, one thing I think about is the challenges of like movement building and building power. Um, I think at the local level, but at the same time, like either there's like not enough support from like national level or, you know, there's like, I don't know, competition between like organizations on the ground. What can you yeah. tell us about like lessons from like, you know, on the ground in Arizona? Because I, I assume like not everything has been, you know, just gelled together and like you just win, you know, I'm sure like, yeah. 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 I mean, that's not like perfect. You know, we still have our challenges and stuff. But I think um, the biggest part is just seeing that we can all collaborate. Like we're all in this together. I mean, we wouldn't want to put each other down because it's like if we put one of us down, like that's just weakening our own like mm -hmm our own force you know it's like it's kind of like you see it as like being like little soldiers you know we all have to have each other's back like what whatever it is that we're doing whether it's like showing up to each other's events or all that uh, and I mean it has been challenging but I think that if we're all able to just like come to terms with the fact that we're all in this like together I think that is like the I mean, they don't want to see us, you know, like right. working with each other. I mean, they want to create a bigger division, whether exactly. it's like instilling different beliefs in our minds or uh, instilling that we have to get this or we can't get that. Like, um, 
like uh, kind of bargaining with like the Dream Act, like the clean Dream Act versus just a regular Dream Act, all that. It's kind of like we have to come together and just say, okay, we need something. We need a solution. And mm-hmm. what's that solution? That solution is a pathway for us, a pathway for us to get uh, residency and a pathway for us to be able to work and go to school instead of uh, saying, I'm not going to like this organization because you're fighting for this or you're fighting for that it's like let's all just collaborate and figure out where where we're alike where our commonalities are at and build upon that yeah no i mean that's that's great i love that and um so i do want to ask like when it comes to that there's a lot of back and forth in the immigration movement um there's and sometimes it gets very nasty between like people arguing on social media what do you make of all that or, like, what do you think of, like, these debates that people are having between, like, you know, folks saying, like, we just want something passed. Other people saying, well, you know, you need to, like, ask for more. Like, you, just your personal thoughts. Not not speaking for anyone else, just your personal thoughts. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I'm, I'm not going to speak on behalf of my organization <laughs> or anything I'm involved with. I'm just going right. to, like you said, just my personal perspective. My personal take on it is, um, of course, we don't want to have more... Um, I mean, if they're going to pass something, they're obviously going to put their terms on it, mm-hmm. whether it's more border security, whether it's like building the wall, as they say. I think that uh, we need to make it clear to them. We do want a work permit. We do want to have a pathway to residency or citizenship, but we don't want to put our families on the line right. um, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's like, our families gave everything to bring us here. So with those costs, like we don't, we don't want to put our values on the line. Like, uh, like we want to make it clear to them that um, to the government basically, yeah. and to our representatives that um, that's what we're, we're we don't want to trade off. That we don't want to trade off our families. And I think um, when I see these arguments, like it's tough because it's like. Yeah, I get it. You know, we want something, we want something, we want something, and we want it our way. But at the end of the day, they're going to end up putting, you know, these uh, regulations or their their terms on it. And I, I would rather not argue with my own people because I feel like if something passes, at the end of the day, like, our goal is to go to school and to stay here. And, um... And it's like, if we're arguing with each other, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I feel like a lot of us are still going to end up applying. (laughs) Let's say they do put their terms. It's kind of like we're still going to end up applying. And um, I don't want to create all that extra tension, you know, for no reason. Um, I don't want to create more like a, a division within our organizations for that and I I, I, I try to refrain from it yeah. um, I, I won't I won't argue with someone over like what they want or what they want it's like everybody you know has their own their own thought of it and I feel like uh, what we need to do is uh, kind of come together and send those messages out and I think if we all just focus on that and we focus on telling you know uh, our representatives what we want I think um, instead of just uh, kind of putting that message a clean dream act or just a regular dream act or just uh, being aggressive over it I think we really just need to explain what is important to us what is important to us and this is what we 
what we are willing to trade off or what we're not willing to work with. And, um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's my take. I, I don't like to get into it sure. with other people. I, I, I mean, just, I think overall, I'm just mostly, a, I try to keep peace with people and with our movements and stuff. So I just try not to <laughs> get into it. Like yeah. that. I think the, I think the biggest, the bigger issue, the bigger problem is just our immigration system in general. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, even if something is passed, I think that, um, our focus needs to be in like seeing or making them see, you know, what our immigration system looks like or how messed up it is, you know, right. that it needs to be updated. It needs to be changed. Uh, the last reform was many years ago, it was in the 1980s. Yep. And, um, and that needs to change also as well as like the waivers and there's just so many things that are just like wrong and i think that needs to be the ultimate goal not just passing something temporary that's just gonna benefit our generation but we gotta think about further down the line you know how is a better immigration system um how can we change that how can that be changed and i mean that's the solution for many years because it's like if you fix your immigration system, then you're not going to have to deal with this, you know, for, right. for like 50 years. You're not going to have to think about it 100 years because your system is going to be like so good or like uh, for the United States, it's going to be so good that they won't have to think about, oh, we got to put more border security or right. we got to put up more, you know, of this. And that. But it's like you need to find a permanent solution for this. Yeah. I mean, I think... Uh... I think one well one of the couple of things that I've had to do is like kind of mute conversations on Facebook, take myself out of groups because like people just like <laughs> argue and argue and argue and argue yeah. and I'm just like I, I really can't like listen to like everybody's perspective at once and then people getting angry and like negative. So that's yeah. why like I'd rather do these conversations where I just kinda get, you know, perspectives like from people one on one and I appreciate you being candid about like what you think, which is a pretty reasonable and rational like way of looking yeah. at things um yeah so i appreciate that uh so i do want to ask um you know we have about uh, we have a few more minutes um so i'm interviewing a lot of folks who are speaking up for the first time and um you know as someone who's been like around this for a few years now uh what advice would you like to send out to them uh what experience would you like to share with them um just something that they could take with them uh in these moments where they're like first stepping forward now Mm -hmm. i think overall um i mean the fear doesn't go away from one day to another i think how i told you like we're raised that way (laughs) we're raised like don't talk to cops don't talk about your status so it does take some time um but at the same time i do want to like i just i do want to let the people that have not talked about it to not be afraid and to not be embarrassed Mm -hmm. i think the biggest part is embarrassment a lot of people are embarrassed like uh you know i'm dealing with this or i'm dealing with that we have to speak out about it because it's a real issue it's an issue that um, affects our lives a lot of us have to live with this constant like uh, uncertainty or this constant fear and i don't think it's healthy to live that way so i think talking about it being open about it it creates i mean it's not gonna give us like peace like immediately or it's not gonna like 
bring a solution like immediately but it does help it does help to open up and talk about it and to stand up and to know that um, our status itself does not define who we are I do know a lot of us uh, go to school and we work and it's like we're we're people we're not um, expiration dates we're not like uh, I mean at the end of the day we're people and I think that it's just uh, that embracing that, mm-hmm. embracing the fact that although we've struggled a lot, well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're like, I, I see a lot, like, I see um, our allies and I see our our people, the, the undocumented community, I see us as little, like, warriors, you know, it's like, we gotta, we're always constantly, like, it doesn't matter what obstacle comes, it's like, you overcome it, you overcome it, you overcome it, and it's just, like, we, I, I see us in, like, strong people, and I think that it's embracing that, embracing that no matter what obstacle has came, we've stepped up and we've overcame it. And I think it's embracing that part of ourselves and not being ashamed of it, not being ashamed of the fact that um, that there's no solution because that's not our fault. Right. And it's not our parents' fault either mm-hmm. because I feel like at the end of the day, if they would have had a way for us to be here and not have to worry about a status, they would have done it. They would have paid whatever it had to be because at the end of the day, they put basically their whole lives on the line. I mean, they left, like, personally for me, like, my parents, you know, they had to deal, my mom had to deal with her mom passing away and her not being able to see her one last time. Yeah. Like, that's painful. And that's what our parents went through so i mean there's no person would do that no other person would do that unless their parents that want to see our kids succeed or that want to see um their generate their 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 kids basically succeed and give them a better future Mm -hmm. so i think it's just not being ashamed of it because um because it's just a big price that our families paid for it Totally. Yeah. Um, so to wrap this up, you know, I would love to know um, where do you find faith? Because you're very positive, you're very upbeat. Uh, where do you find faith in your day to day life? Like, what do you like to do? Um, I well, I be- I believe in God. Um, I think my biggest, um, I-, I think what keeps me grounded is basically that prayer, 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 prayer. Um, and also like meditating a lot i i usually <laughs> i do that often like i'll even if it's just like a guided meditation and just trying to find you know that like peace in my mind and understanding um or like learning how to cope with my emotions and it's like or understanding what emotions i feel like it's like oh hold on let me take a minute am i sad am i angry <laughs> what am i feeling yeah and uh learning how to manage those emotions I think that's that's what helps me and as well as my family like knowing that they have my like they that they support me I like I think a lot there's been activists that don't have their family support and I feel like for me that's I'm very grateful for that that I have had my family be there for me great uh one thing I will say um just to be candid like for myself like I've had to begin to learn how to process my emotions specifically mm. anger and like you know sometimes yeah. sometimes when you're an activist like the anger can come to the yeah. forefront pretty quickly uh which is not always healthy for like you know interpersonal relationships um yeah. 
but yeah. Uh, so last thing I, I want to ask you is uh, tell me about some of the cool things that you're involved in right now. Um, you know, you mentioned this Inside Out project. You know, um, mm-hmm. any organizations you want to shout out in Arizona? Any folks that you know help you stay grounded? You know, this is the moment. Yeah, um, I, I right now Karina's in the room, room with me, <laughs> Karina okay. Ruiz, and she's the president of the Arizona Dream Act Coalition, okay. so that's one organization that we work hi with. Hi there, how are and, you? Uh, <laughs> hello, hello, well, welcome. You said hi, how are you? This is, oh, uh, I'm good, how about yourself? Good, good, this is um, the Immigration Mic Podcast on iTunes. Sorry, this okay. is the Immigration Mic Podcast on iTunes, where I interview immigration activists from all over the country, so welcome. Cool. Awesome. It sounds like a cool project. I mean, if anything national to uplift our stories and what we're going through, um, especially in this time, it's very much appreciated because it gives us a platform uh, to um, to have a voice, you know. And, and so, you know, I think about it and years ago we didn't have this opportunity and I hope that some years from now, not too many, I hope, right. our parents are going to be in the same situation and people are going to realize that they're not a threat, but that they're an asset to this country, just like we are. So okay. hopefully that becomes a reality sometime soon. Thank you for your cameo, and I will send you the information for the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. I'm um, going to go to Iraq. Okay. I'm almost done. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So I think that, that, that she's been one of like my biggest inspirations, just learning, learning from her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Arizona Dream Act Coalition is one I'm involved with um, nationally. I'm part of. Um, we just changed our name, so I, I know it's American Mexican Association. Okay. Uh, I, I believe I can't remember. I know that it's Amaye. But it basically it's a chapter in the Mexican consulate nationally that uh, focuses on just, uh, well, we embrace like our being Mexican and it's for undocumented youth, basically. Um, And yeah, that's two organizations I'm involved with Um, at the moment. What I also I'm trying to do is connect. um, I don't know if you've heard about the Opportunity Youth Movement. We're working on connecting that with our immigrant movement okay. um, and see how we can create more opportunities, whether it's like uh, connecting youth to education as well as work um, and decreasing our poverty levels. Um, I That's one other thing I'm involved with um, and basically going to school at the moment in Arizona I, of course I want to give a shout out to One Arizona for kicking butt yes. with civic engagement as well as the immigration work of course and One Arizona yes. a lot of organizations so I mean it's probably a lot to name but <laughs> but yeah the, the, great the, the, well yeah I mean I love I love uh, all the collaborations I love that you're so positive you know this is a breath of fresh air um, you know thank you for this conversation and um, yeah I mean let's uh, you know you and I keep uh, communication open I would love to hopefully see how we can continue collaborating whether it's other folks you know on this podcast um, yeah. but yeah I think I, I think I personally think it's important to give everybody an opportunity to have their voice heard and uplifted and so you know I just see like Again, just how positive you are on social media. You're always, you know, um, very well dressed. <laughs> you're well you. dressed. So, so if you were dreaming of that, your dream has come true. <laughs> I know. <laughs> thank you. All right. So, uh, yeah. So we'll be in touch. And um, again, thank you, and enjoy the rest yeah. of your day.
No, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate your podcast and for opening that space. It's it's really good. Thank you for that and for also having me as a speaker. Um, of course. I feel honored. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>